live from Southern California. You are not absolutely this is the hyped. Jim Rome Show. And counting sleeps and making big plans for Championship Sunday. That is what we in the jungle call a you problem. Because these two matchups are straight fire. The buildup this week has actually made them better. And that's the impossible. Not that we needed any more to make these matchups any better, but this week we've had some things that have made these matchups even better. I mean, what matchup in all pro sports would you rather see right about now than Bengals v. Chiefs at Burrowhead? Excuse me, my bad. Excuse me, my bad. My bad. Not Burrowhead, but Kansas City. My, my, My bad. My bad, my friend. Arrowhead. Listen, I would never, ever do you like that. I've been to Arrowhead. I know what that place is like. I would never, ever do that legendary house like that. I know about Arrowhead. I would never sit here for one second and clown and mock and disrespect that place. I wouldn't. However, Mike Hilton of the Bengals would. Mike Hilton of the Bengals did. And he did so from the elements in Buffalo this past Sunday. We'll see y'all in Burrowhead. Yeah, baby. We'll see you all in Burrowhead. You know, most of that so-called bulletin board material is actually pretty lame, pretty weak. You can normally call it manufactured, contrived, motivational drama. But there's nothing weak about Burrowhead. Arrowhead is one of the most hallowed stadiums in all of sport. And for these guys to claim it as their own and call it Burrowhead, that's some quality smack right there. That is some legitimate bulletin board material. So then Chief Willie Gay sent some right back the other way. Check this out. All that trash talk coming from over there, does that, does that fire you up and get you motivated when they call Arrowhead Burrowhead? Or how, how do you handle that? Uh, I'm just excited to be playing football, man. That stuff is just what comes with the game. You know, uh, we, like Coach Reed said, we don't do no talking. We just go handle business when it's time to go. What is it about that Bengals offense that maybe impresses you the most? You played them a few times? Nothing. Okay. Right. <laughs> I mean, come on. Dude, I love this chirping so much. I love all the chirping. Love it. Would never discourage it. But that right there is the worst take of the entire NFL season. Willie Gay. I mean, put that in the backwards take Hall of Fame. What do you fear or respect about that offense? The Bengals offense? Nothing. What is it about that Bengals offense that maybe impresses you the most? You played them a few times? Nothing. 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 (laughs) I mean, that damn well may have been just garbage. Garbage. Nothing. Nothing. Hey, Willie, if by nothing you mean everything, then you're dead on. I couldn't agree more. What impresses you the most? Nothing. That guy barely got the question out before Willie jumped in with nothing. Nothing. Nothing impresses you about the Bengals' offense. What are you going to tell me next? Chad Henney is better than Mahomes? Mahomes? Alvy doesn't like getting nice? James Kelly is secretly an English professor? Winthrop. Geoff and Larry make this show better? And didn't that clip start with Willie saying how the Chiefs don't talk? They just, quote, handle business. Willie, my dude, you get whiplash from that 180? Is Willie like Eric in Orlando or something? You know, like, I don't fish on a boat. I fish on a boat. I don't fish on boats, okay, Matt? I fish on on a boat. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. I don't fish on boats, all right? I fish on a boat. I don't fish on boats, okay, Matt? I fish on a, on a boat. I fish on a boat, and I don't give bulletin board material. Here is your bulletin board material. Hey, man, we don't talk. 
Oh, the Bengals offense? Yeah, nothing impresses me about that. Okay. Hey, look. Right. We all know the Bengals offense does not need bulletin board material. Joe Burrow definitely does not, a.k.a. Joe Cool, a.k.a. Joe Burr, a.k.a. Joe Shiesty, a.k.a. him. Yes, I know he's self-glossed. And yes, I know self-gloss is not allowed. Except if this guy does it. Because Mike's on the field caught Joey B screaming, I'm him. After the Hayden Hurst TD toss on Sunday. I'm him. As in, I'm that dude. What? He's not wrong? Who the hell is going to disagree with that? He is him. He is that dude. I don't disagree with that. Neither do his teammates. Here was how Mike Hilton and Tyler Boyd reacted to that gloss. Did you hear Joe Burrow say he's him on the mic'd up stuff? Is he lying? Did you hear Burrow on the uh, on the mic'd up segment? They called him saying, I'm him? Yeah, I heard that. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I've been saying that all year round. As long as we got Joe Burrow, I mean, our chances is very high to, to, to win. First point is pretty much what I said. Is he lying? Is he lying? He's not wrong. No, he's not lying. And no, it's not anything new. And yes, he can say whatever the hell he wants. He's Joe Burrow, and it's all true. It's also true that the best player on the planet is playing in this game, and it's not Joe Burrow. Let's not forget about Patrick Mahomes here. No, the dude is not 100%. We know that. I don't know what the number is. 80, 85, 90, 75, even 70. Even at 70%, Patrick Mahomes at 70% is still 100% better than 99% of everybody else. And KC does have a point to prove here. KC isn't going to go down to these dudes for a fourth time in a row without a brutal fister. And that whole Burrowhead thing is not going to go unchecked or unpunished. Believe me. So I couldn't love that game anymore. Or I thought I couldn't love that game anymore. And then the chirping started. So that is the late game. Frankly, the main event. But calm down, Philly fan. I am just as hyped as you are and just as hyped for that early game. Well, maybe not quite as hyped, but really close to being as hyped. Like when I say not as hyped, not as hyped as you. Not as hyped as you in the sense that I didn't stock up on D-cells. I did not save any gray goose bottles so I can hammer toss them. Nobody is greasing up any of the light poles in my Orange County neighborhood. I can tell you all that, but I am still pretty hyped. Pretty hyped to watch that game, featuring the best story of the year in the NFL against the most dominant team of the year in the NFC. You've got a quarterback battle that might be slightly overshadowed by Mahomes v. Burrow, but it's still pretty damn fascinating, right? I mean, understand this. The two quarterbacks in this game are combined at 22-1 this season. The last time big clock Brock and Jalen Hurts faced off against each other was in the 2019 college season when Oklahoma and Iowa State played to a 42-41 classic in Norman. The two QBs that day combined for 555 yards passing, 11 total TDs. So no, it's not exactly Mahomes v. Burrow, but it's still fascinating. Obviously a huge game for both coaches as well. You've got Kyle Junior Lobster, Shanahan, trying to get back to another Super Bowl and actually win one this time. And then you've got the most Philly bro to ever coach a Philly team, trying to coach that Philly team back to the top of the NFC. A dude who has suddenly become one of the bigger lightning rods and one of the more controversial figures in the NFL. And the thing that Nick Sirianni did that pissed everybody off the most was look directly into the camera and make a face while in the middle of that curb stomping of the Giants. Well, he had an explanation for that this week. Believe it or not, the guy went with the Toby in Houston defense. And he explained that this is who the guy's always been. He's always been annoying and obnoxious. 
It was like right in my face, and I, that was juice. We were up a, a couple right, scores, and and it just it was like right there. Like I don't know, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I guess that's just who I am. Yeah, we've seen that. My brother married a girl from brother. our rival high school, kind of rival, a little smaller school. It's, they have all sorts of, of family members uh, there. Um, and my brother will go to an event brother. in there and, at, at Randolph, and he'll be like, you know the people there still don't like you from all the things that you did when you were, when you were playing against them? So I guess that's kind of been, you know. Nobody I, likes I you. What Nobody likes you. And what, my, what I'm trying, like all I care about is our team, and I, I'm not really concerned about anything else. I love that he went, though, with the Toby and Houston defense. Right in my face. Hey, clones, what do we want when we're craving protein and we need more energy? I'll tell you what we don't want. Bars, sugary snacks, energy drinks. Nah, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. No, Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and tasty. It's never tough. So why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. In other words, they take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein and comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Like I said earlier in the week, if he loses this game, he's going to get served a gigantic bowl of crap from everybody outside the city of Philly. However, if he wins this game, he is going to spoon feed the rest of the world from that bowl of crap. And again, Philly fan, that's nothing to be jealous about. I know this might come as news to you, but you're not supposed to eat crap. Not out of a bowl and not in a sando. Needless to say, there is a whole lot on the line Sunday. Like there always is on Championship Sunday, but this one feels big. This one feels even bigger. These are the four best teams. There's no question about that. And there is no clear edge in either matchup. So bring me some freaking strong takes and your own reaction today. React to me. Are you not entertained? Step your game the hell up. I want to hear from you. The big head and I. We're already on record. We made our picks yesterday on Jim Rome's Big Head Bets. The Big Head was so fired up, he even brought prop bets. Look for that podcast after the show. It's live. It's fire. I retweeted some gal today who said that she doesn't even like gambling, but she doubles down on that pod because she laughs her ass off. It's good. It's funny. It's good. You don't have to gamble to listen to and like Jim Rome's Big Head Bets. It is fire. You should absolutely listen to it after the program. And while we're all still here, let me know what you think and make sure those takes are strong. Also, one more thing before I go to break. Clones, Willie Gay of Kansas City is not the son of Will Gay, formerly of Pittsburgh, and forever one of the members of the DECA Yeah! That guy, no relation. Hey, how many of you can name everybody in the deck of yeah. I just gave you one. William Gay. How many of you can name all of them? Alvin, one more time. How many of you can name two, and I spotted you one? Two are easy. There's one in there that's really easy. I don't want to say what it is. That's the guy. Alvy knows. Alvy's on to me. <laughs> Willie. You know what he is? Like, uh, I'm not impressed with the Bengals. Hey, what is it that impresses you the most about the Bengals' offense? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Right. <laughs> Come on, dude. He's never impressed with anything guy, right? Take that same dude to a party. 
with some A-listers in Malibu. Eh, not impressed. Tom Cruise, George Clooney were at this party I was at last night in Beverly Hills. By the way, the ladies, way hotter. Way hotter. Not impressed with Malibu. Take this guy to the Empire State Building. It's aight. It's aight. Have you seen the Eiffel Tower, though? Rot iron. Yo, man. You like my new car? It's a 1963 Ferrari 250 GTO. They list that bad boy at 70 mil, yo. How you like that? Tight. Not bad. But I prefer the 64. Okay. I once experienced that in real life. I once experienced that in real life. When I still lived in the 818, I had this rig. I had an exotic rig back back in my car phase. Back in my car phase, I had an exotic rig. Without giving it up, let me just say this. I was more proud of that car than any car I'd ever had. Under the hood of that car, 604 horsepower. 604 horsepower. The engine in this car was carbon fiber. It's back in the day. Car dudes knew it, man. Car dudes would say, yo, dude, can I look under that hood? And then I'd fire that thing open and they'd be like, dang. Like, dudes know. Car dudes know. Douchebags don't. There was a douchebag from actually down in Orange County when I was in the 818. He had heard about the rig. And I, I wasn't one of those guys who's like, hey, man, come look at my rig. But he knew about the rig. Dude walks into my house, Orange County guy, walks into my house and goes, yo, man, let me see that car. I'm like, all right. He looks it up and down, looks it up and down. He goes, man, a car. you got any idea, dude? There's a car show in Newport Beach on Saturdays that would make this thing look like a Chevrolet. I'm like, dude, are you that much of a douchebag? Did you just say that to me in my house, in my garage? Dude, I think you and I are going to fight. Literally. Are you really that much of a douchebag? Did you just say that? There are cars in Newport Beach at the car show on Saturday that I go to that makes this look like a Chevrolet? Hey, I got a question for you, douchebag. Do you have one of those cars? Or do you just go look at those cars on Saturday? What an a-hole. True story. Alvy says I just broke the douchebag record. You know why? It's real. Not five. Not six. It's real. Like it all came out. I'm looking at my phone to see if that's Dodger Jano blowing me up. Sorry, I probably shouldn't have done that. That that was a real reaction. Like it all it all came rushing back over me. How much I hated that guy. But that but that's actually I'm giving you a little color to this take. That's not impressed, guy. Okay, bro. Anyway, that, that rig was badass. I missed that rig. I think it was fun. Because I needed 600 horsepower. I used to get things like, yo, Rome. <laughs> James Kelly's James Kelly's fascinated by that story. I, people used to say, yo, man, yo, man, where do you take that rig? You uh, go out to Willow Springs? Do you go out to the track? I'm like, nah. Nah, I don't really go anywhere with that. Just to work and back. Just to Whole Foods. Just up and down Ventura Boulevard. Then why do you need it? I, I don't. I don't know. Then why do you have it? I don't know. I don't know. I just know what I have underneath that hood. That was fun, man. I don't even know how they got that engine underneath that hood. Like, I don't even know how they crammed it in there. That was a blast. I missed that rig. All right, 1-800-636. I don't miss that dude, though. And that story is true. The car show in Newport Beach on Saturdays would make this look like a Chevy. How big of a bag would you have to be to say that to somebody? Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com is with me now. You've actually started a new operation, a new wing, Omega Funding Solutions. Exactly what is that and how does that work? You file an amended payroll tax return with the IRS. 
And the IRS is backed up. You know, they were hit by COVID too. They had the pandemic to deal with. So it's taking them anywhere from six months to a year to process these refunds. So we came out with a solution where we can help you get access to that cash earlier in as, as little as two weeks. See if you qualify for an ERC tax refund from the IRS, OmegaTaxCredits.com. He is Mike Sando. Mike, it is great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you, Mike. Thanks so much. Why don't we start with the NFC Championship game? Let me ask you, after sacking Daniel Jones five times, Philadelphia, Mike, now has 75 for the year. Only the 84 and 85 Bears have posted a higher total in a season. Question then is, will that Philly front seven finally be the group that makes Brock Purdy look and play like a rookie selected last in the draft? I don't know that they're going to make him look that bad because of the talent around him, but I do think they'll get to him a little bit more. I do think the Eagles are probably a little bit better up front, maybe on both sides of the ball. And so, you know, the the, the easy part for Purdy so far is their team's been so good, and he's played well, but he really hasn't been in those situations behind the eight ball where it's a drop-back pass game. And really, I mean, Jalen Hurts hasn't been in that situation a lot either, so I think whatever team can do that, these quarterbacks may not be as comfortable, and especially Purdy, as some of the more experienced guys, obviously like the Burroughs and Mahomes, who you know, almost thrive in those situations. So I think that day's coming, and it won't look as good, and Philly probably has a better chance than anyone the 49ers have played recently to do that. I agree. Mike Sando joining us. You mentioned Jalen Hurts. He played at an MVP level before he went down. With that shoulder injury, his head coach, Nick Sirianni didn't really do him any favors by comparing him to Michael Jordan. But since he did, how much is at stake for Hurts individually come Sunday? It was better than Jim Irsay comparing his GM to, to Michael Jordan. But, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, the concern for me in the game from a Jalen Hurts standpoint is that the 49ers linebackers hit. The 49ers hit more than other teams hit in the current modern game, right, where, where uh, hitting is not – I mean, you go back and look at the play of George Kittle over the middle bobbling the ball. The Dallas defensive back almost kind of ducks under him and doesn't smash him, right? Remember, that used to be that used to be the hospital ball in the NFL, right? The 49ers linebackers play a little bit more like the game used to be played. They hit people. So I know it hurts his back from the shoulder injury uh, and all of that, but you know, he, the design run is going to be part of this for him. And Fred Warner and those guys bring it. And so I think that's a really uh, interesting and possibly not concerning, but, you know, just a, a, an X factor part of this matchup that's different for Galen Hurts. And you think of him, you know, he's going to take shots. You have to lay it on the line in these playoff games. You, you're not stepping out of bounds. You're not sliding always. You're going for that extra yard and you may pay for it a little bit. I think you made a great point. I love that matchup. I think the, the matchup between the 49ers linebackers and Jalen Hurts and the RPO, I think it's really intriguing. And I think you're right. They're linebackers. Even though the game has changed and the rules have changed, I agree with you. They still play hospital ball. Those guys fly yeah. around and they lay the lumber. Let me ask you about the AFC. Mike Sando, my guest. The Bengals and Chiefs are going to run it back in the AFC championship game. We know Patrick Mahomes is going to give it a go with that high ankle sprain. I know we all have a tremendous threshold, Mike, for his pain. But given how well the Bengals are playing, if Mahomes is limited in what he can do and it does impact what their offense does, what kind of a chance do you give them against Cincinnati? How do you see this game going? Yeah, so I've been on Cincinnati a little bit maybe the last six weeks or so as kind of a team that I thought might do it. Just having the elite quarterback, the elite receiver, I think they have enough pass rush, right? Those are kind of the components that I look at. And um, yet – Two weeks ago, I was like, can they go through both Buffalo and Kansas City? Well, now that they're through Buffalo, I do like their chances. They've obviously won close games before. My only fear is, um, is Mahomes just setting us up? Because Mahomes is so special. And I do think if he's limited over the course of the game, that Cincinnati should win the game. But he's also like that guy who might just be standing there after the game on the field, talking to the sideline reporter, like with the big smile, right? Like he just set us up. So he made some amazing plays on one leg was hopping around. I think if he's got to do that the whole game, it catches up to him. But I just have this feeling of like, just be careful 
Just be careful uh, riding off Mahomes in Kansas City at home. I agree. This is why I'm having so much trouble with that game and have the entire week. Let me ask you about Joe Burrow. Every year you release a list of quarterback tiers based on feedback you get from NFL coaches and executives. Since you already had Burrow as a tier one QB heading into the season, has he moved up to the equivalent of the top 1% of quarterbacks this year? I think so. You know, I think he will. So in the past, you know, when I talked to the 50 people in the league, like, you know, Mahomes or Rodgers would be unanimous. All 50 put him in tier one. And I think it was trending that way. You know, there was certainly a, you know, a solid minority that left uh, Burrow in tier two. I think that probably goes just about all the way to uh, all of them being in tier one now. You know, I think he's, it was just a matter of time on task, right? He just, he, he'd really only played the one full season and everybody loved it, but you kind of want to see it again. And I think now this is seeing it again. And certainly if they you know, win this game, I, I don't know how anyone's going to keep them out of there. Mike Sando joining us. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers, so let me ask you about that. We're going to head into another offseason of mysteries surrounding Aaron. Do you think he's going to stay in Green Bay, or can you see him accepting a trade? I think I could see him accepting a trade. You know, I thought it was – you know. We, the on-field results weren't so good this last season, obviously the opposite of that, uh, to where you just sort of had to keep it going. And I, I felt like when they were 13-3, and 13-4, and four, he's the MVP, you just sort of don't break that up. I think there's a jumping-off point now with him saying, hey, I hope they re-sign these six guys or whatever, and it's Mercedes Lewis and Randall Cobb, guys that ideally as an organization – you're moving on from at, at this stage. You're building your team. And so I do feel like it's reached a point where now, like, I, I'm not surprised at all if they, if they move on. And, and, you know, they did that at the end with Brett Favre. They, they haven't been an overly active team in, like, the free agency market, but they've traded Devontae, right? They, they've, they've been able to trade away players. Maybe, maybe they have sort of the license and the cover to do it this year. When you sort of felt like they were leaning that way anyway when they drafted Jordan Love, and they just they couldn't bring themselves to do it because Rodgers played so well. Mike Sanders joining us. You mentioned Brett Favre. So could you see if, in fact, Aaron were to accept a trade and still wants to play, like Favre, could you see him going to the Jets? Does that make sense to you? I, I could. Yeah, I could. And, I, you know, Nathaniel Hackett's there, who he knows. I think he would want to see them obviously make some moves to, to make his life easier. But I, I could see that. You know, I don't see the you – know, like with Tom Brady, it's logical that you could make the case for the Raiders. That there's just too many things that line up. I don't necessarily think that Hackett makes that, you know, the same amount of lining up. But um, that just seems like a team that's really – has the good defense that, that he hasn't always had in, in Green Bay. And, you know, maybe you could uh, get over the top there. Certainly you'd be better. You know, Mike, it seems almost like a given. You mentioned Brady. Almost like a given that he would end up with Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. Do you think Brady wants that, and do you think that Mark Davis wants Brady? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I think it's been hard to figure out exactly what uh, Brady wants. I do think he's going to play. I do think he's going to want to have uh, weaponry, and they've got that. And then um, Mark Davis, to I know he was tired of Derek Carr and they got rid of him, but to, to unload a quarterback who isn't great but makes you prevents you from having a low floor, like to me you don't do that unless you have a broader plan to get somebody good or get somebody who's going to help your program, right? They're trying to establish a program that's hard to establish places. It's hard to tell people that we need to run laps in practice when we mess up. It's just hard. But it's a lot easier if Tom Brady is there and he's the first one running around the laps, right? I think that's what they need. So if Mark Davis wants to succeed with Josh McDaniels, um, this is how you would do it. Otherwise, I think you're a little bit of uphill battle with, with players that maybe don't have to or want to go that route to the same degree that McDaniels probably wants to. It's going to be an amazing championship weekend and a great offseason as well. He is a senior NFL writer for The Athletic. He is a Hall of Fame voter, also the host of the Football GM podcast. Mike, I've been wanting to talk to you. Great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. Thank you. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection? The latest innovation from Discover. 
Discover will help routinely remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. The Patriots offense. Or more specifically, the Patriots offense ever since Josh McDaniels walked out that door in New England. Because ever since then, the Pats offense has been high comedy. Ever since the hood man took the incredibly difficult task of replacing Josh McDaniels and then just didn't. Just refused. Instead of refusing to name an actual offensive coordinator, he let two dudes with no offensive play calling experience handle the play calling and the quarterback coaching. Of course, those two dudes, Matt, the Ticonderoga, Patricia, and Joe, the leader of men, Judge, were abject failures, catastrophic disasters. Such a disaster. Let me tell you how bad this went. This went so badly that the Hoodman's house is finally leaking. The most airtight organization in pro sports actually has some oxygen escaping right now. That never happened, ever. However, yesterday, the Boston Herald published a report with some fresh quotes coming from inside the Hoodman's house. And they detail how this dumpster fire of an offense was every bit as much of a dumpster fire on the inside as it appeared on the outside. Listen to some of these quotes. Again, they're anonymous, because no one's going to say this on the record. But then again, nobody ever used to say anything anonymously even. But they are now. Listen to these quotes about the Patriots' offense from inside. Quote, I've never seen anything like it. That's a source, a Patriot source. Another one, quote, it was disheveled. They were always scrambling to get things done. End of quote. Or how about this one? This is the best one yet. Quote, I love Coach Belichick, but he effed us. End of quote. I love Coach Belichick, but he effed us. I mean, the fact that any of this leaked, the fact that any of it got out, that anybody was willing to speak even anonymously is one of the most unpatriot things ever. No one who's ever had any association with or ever had any association with the hood or the Patriots under the hood has ever been allowed to say anything either on or off the record about the hood and the Patriots. And here you have, here you have somebody telling a media member that coach effed us. Pretty incredible. And there are also quotes about how messed up the situation was right from the jump, right from training camp. This thing had already hopped off the rails and was speeding for the nearest cliff. Quote, a lot of guys were getting worried because when we were in the middle of camp, we were wondering what the plan was for our offense because we hadn't put enough install in, a source said. Quote, we had a couple of protections, a couple of core run plays, but our pass game didn't have much in it. End of quote. I don't know. Almost sounds as if they had an offensive coaching staff that had never actually installed an offense before. Right? Crazy, but there's more. Quote, a lot of guys would ask, well, what's going to happen if the defense does this? And you would see they hadn't really accounted for that yet. And they'd say, we'll get to that when we get to that. That type of attitude got us in trouble. By the end, they were just making 1,000 adjustments instead of building them in at the beginning. End of quote. You imagine that? You imagine? Never mind the coach is not leading the conversation, but somebody saying, hey, yo, coach. Hey, hey, yo, pencil. Hey, leader of men. What if the defense does this? Yeah, let's not get into that just yet. What do you mean let's not get into that just yet? What if the defense gives us this look. What if the defense does this? What do we do? Um, We'll let you know when we know. 
As soon as we figure it out, you'll be the first ones to know. Uh, These are incredible quotes, especially for a Bill Belichick coach team. Man, and what a bad look for that Ticonderoga. What a bad, bad look for that pencil. But still not as rough as the quotes about that Thursday night home loss to Buffalo. Remember when sources described Patricia's play calling performance as, quote, scared? One source even said, quote, that game was bull bleep, end of quote. But we kind of already knew all that, right? We kind of knew that before they even started when we found out this was the plan. I mean, we all did see Mac clearly scream, throw the effing ball. The effing short game sucks. We saw him during the broadcast. And then after the game, he didn't even deny it. All a really bad look for the pencil. And for the guy who put the pencil in position to do a job that he was in no way qualified for. But despite all that, in this article, nobody looks worse than the so-called leader of men, who apparently is the worst leader of men ever. According to this piece, quote, Judge also coached across positions in practice, forcing other assistants to occasionally correct his talking points to players during drills. End of quote. That's me. It's just priceless. Imagine Joe the Mouth lecturing players from other position groups while their actual position coaches cringe. And then those coaches have to immediately undermine and undercut him and limit the damage by basically telling the players, hey, yo, everything that moron just said, ignore it. Ignore it. Never happened. Never, ever listen to that leader of men. Incredible, right? But it gets worse. Quote, Belichick would blast him in practice, and it wasn't uncommon for Judge and Jones to trade profanity-laced outbursts. Jones' trust in his position coach was effectively non-existent. Here's another quote. Quote, Mac didn't like him at all. End of quote. Knock me over with a feather. That's shocking. Mac didn't like Joe Judge at all. Does anybody like Joe Judge at all? Like, I thought the hood man was his only pal, but apparently the hood man doesn't even like him. Not if he's screaming at him in practice. I mean, this is a pretty bizarre thing, considering he handed him an incredibly important job to develop his first-round quarterback, a decision that is aging about as well as milk left out on a balmy summer day. But the best Joe the Mouth quote is about Joe's mouth. Quote, he would speak extremely, no, he would speak extra loudly in meetings trying to project like he was the guy. End of quote. And still there was more. Another source said, quote, and I think that kind of rubbed people the wrong way. End of quote. It did? No way. It's got to be the least surprising line in the entire piece. But it's still so incredible. Joe the mouth, running his mouth, pissed everybody off. No way. Because of course he did. That was his entire shtick in New York. That's what got him run out of New York. That's how he got the nickname in the first place. The Patricia Judge idea was always going to be an unmitigated disaster. But it was somehow even worse than we imagined. And you got people speaking off the record anonymously, letting us know just how ugly it was. So now what? Now it's up to Bob, Bill O'Brien, to come in and try and clean this mess up. Yo, Bob, Robbie, Robert, my dude, good luck with that. Have fun with that. Even if you tell the Ticonderoga and the mouth to hit the bricks, you still have to coordinate and rebuild an offense that is completely lacking in firepower and weapons. However, 
at least the Bob has some experience coaching offense. At least Bob has actually installed an offense before. And at least everybody does not hate Bob. At least the greatest coach in NFL history finally got around to figuring out that his former offensive assistant, who's been a head coach, who's had huge success coaching Mac Jones already in college, was a pretty good idea to replace Josh McDaniels with. It did take him a year to get there. And sort of nearly destroyed the organization within, but at least he got there. Better late than never, right? But I want to say this. The greatest coach ever, coming up with the dumbest plan ever, will never not be hilarious. And it will always be one of my all-time great gifts from my favorite squad, Team Content. He's the GOAT. He's the smartest guy in the room. Nobody's ever been better. How does that guy do what he did? And again, for the first time ever, you have leaks. You have oxygen leaking out of the formerly lock and impenetrable airtight force that was the Patriot way. I mean, these are amazing comments. Not in what they're saying, because we already knew this, but in that somebody said it. More than one person. So he finally got around doing the right thing. But at what cost? Hey, clones, what do we want when we're craving protein and we need more energy? I'll tell you what we don't want. Bars, sugary snacks, energy drinks. Nah, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. No, Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and tasty. It's never tough. So why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. In other words, they take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein and comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? For those of you who are not following college basketball just yet, it's still too soon. There have been a few surprises this season. One of the surprises has been the Clemson basketball program. A squad that many predicted would finish dead last in the ACC is currently first. They're 9-1 and one in conference. Clemson, the Tigers, are well ahead of North Carolina. They're well ahead of Duke, a team they beat by eight only a few weeks back. So they are one of the good, good stories in college basketball. One problem. They're more than likely to be without one of their best for a few games. Senior Brevin Galloway. Galloway is a starting guard. He's averaging 10 points per game, a little better than that. Knocking down three-point shots at a 33% clip. Good player, good leader, but man's down. Man's down. And not with your normal, typical mid-season basketball injury, like a sprained ankle or a twisted knee. My man is out with... What's the clinical way to describe this? What is the clinical definition of the injury that he suffered? His balls and nutsack exploded. That's his diagnosis, not mine. Check out the video that this legend posted on the gram from his hospital bed describing in detail how his testicles and nutsack exploded. So this morning I went to lift. I came back. I took a nap. I woke up from my nap. My balls and my nutsack were exploded. (laughs) Now I go to the doctor. I have surgery three hours later. My balls are reduced to the normal size. I don't know what happened to my balls. I guess they were trying to be like basketballs. But we made it. Now I'm going to be spoiled for the next 48 hours and I will be back in a uniform shortly. Go Tigers. 
I love Clemson. <laughs> Brevin bleeping Galloway. If you need that living legend, that is incredible. And he posted that himself to the gram. Video from the hospital bed. What an incredible piece of video. You have to see this cat. Again, he's laying in his hospital bed. He's drinking something, probably feeling the effects of some drugs, and just laying it all out there. I'll tell you what, my guy. Those balls that you referenced, they weren't just ginormous, dude. They were also brass as hell for you to go with that post. I always say, don't tweet or post drunk. Don't tweet or post angry. Don't tweet or post pilled up. Maybe he was none of the above, but he went with it. Man, his cocojones Cocojones. went wheelbarrow size on him while he was napping it out. I mean, freaking comedy. And is it me or does it seem like Clemson is always having some sort of bad injury luck? But this explosion is something totally different. And of course, if something breaks in college basketball, one of the guys who's going to be on it is Jeff Goodman. Jeff Goodman did the kind of work, insider work, that has made him the man he is today and one of the best in the game. So he tried to get the story. He tried to follow up. He reached out to Clemson head coach, Brad Brunell. Goodman tweeted, quote, just got off the phone with Clemson coach. Coach Brad Brownell about Brevin Galloway's latest IG post. No comment. <laughs> what do you mean no comment, coach? What? You don't want to talk about the explosion in Brev's pants? Man, how would you like to be the media director of the SID today when this is going down? You walk into the office on a chill Friday only to find out that the world knows that one of your basketball players, basketball-sized onions, are exploding, and everybody wants to know why or how and access. I wonder what the injury report is going to read like tomorrow when they play Florida State. Brevin Galloway. Balls and nuts exploded. My balls Questionable. and my nutsack were exploded. It better read like that. No, I'm not a doctor, but I can tell you this. Ice up, son. Ice up. Ice up, son. Ice up. The Tigers are going to need you if they're going to win the ACC. I'll tell you what, we got a new king. I never thought that this guy would be replaced. Move over, bruised scrotum. There is a new sheriff in town. A new king in town. I never thought something could ever overthrow the king. The throne being Art Modell bruising his scrotum. The throne of worst thing imaginable. But you know what's worse than a bruised scrotum? An exploding nutsack. My balls and my nutsack were exploding. Now. Maybe it can be like the master ceremony. Instead of a golf course, a hospital urology waiting room. Art Modell shows up, puts a brown jacket on Brevin, shakes his hand, golf claps from everybody in the waiting room. I mean, Art, you did wear that jacket a long time. I didn't think you'd ever not wear that jacket. I thought you were the king forever and all of eternity. Except somebody's finally outdone you. Brev, with his exploding nutsack. From his hospital bed, with a video update. Top that, Magic. Hey, hey, what's going on? Welcome to the jungle. My name is Jim Rome. How was your weekend? How y'all living? I already know the answer to that. Some of you are living quite well, and some of you are not having a good day. I know this. Oh, looky here. The triumphant return of the ATP. Yeah! 
Where do I even start? Where do I even start? How about right under center? Because nothing says America's team more than watching the alleged franchise QB on a $160 million contract get outplayed by Mr. Irrelevant. We're sick. Yeah! Back, the turnover factory returned in this game and brought the Cowboys down with it. It's all factories. It's all turnover factories. Elliott is going to snap the ball. You know, you know something's game. funny? When you've seen it 150 times and it still makes you laugh out loud. Zeke hikes it. Boom! Zeke gets sent through the turf. The grounds crew is still picking up pieces of that guy from the field. Darius Butler. Man, it was horrible. Good snap. But then he just got destroyed. Uh, I hope that's not the last play we see Z in a Cowboys uniform. I want to get on this whole Dak Prescott thing. He's failing as a leader for that team. I mean, somebody's got to call him out. I, I know you're not saying that I'm the one making excuses for Dak. Did you hear the show open? Dak, the turnover factory. It's all factories. It's all turnover factory. Not enough bum fights in front of the restaurant business or park that your children are playing in. Do you miss the feeling of dirty needles stuck to your shoe? Do you feel like you're not paying enough taxes? San Francisco is your answer. Credit to the Bengals. I feel for you, Mafia. Totally outclassed. Long-suffering Buffalo fan. Totally outplayed. Totally outcoached. Totally humiliated. Who they think going to beat them Bengals? Joe Capadia. I don't root for any team. Like, I, I don't care if the Eagles win or the Eagles lose. I, I root for the content. Team content is my favorite team. Team content and also team, uh, my picks against the spread. Jake in Vegas. Good to have you, Jake. How are you? This is Jason from Vegas. Jason. Oh, Jason. My bad, dude. This is probably the worst rule on the program. We go back to Vegas. Jake in Vegas. How you doing, Papa? How you doing? Much respect for you. you All too. I got to say is about, uh, how about the call girl? Oh, man. Rack him. People are seriously saying that it was somehow a clone version of DeMar and not actually DeMar. Was his mother a clone? The little brother clone. I can assure all the clones, this is not a fake DeMar Hamlin. He was actually there. I mean, I believe you. However, that right there was not Dave in Orchard Park. That was the fake Dave in Orchard Park. Just like it was the fake Damar. Rome, wake up. What happens if Clone Jim comes to confront real Jim in the studio? Alvin, take him out. I am the real Jim. No, I am the real Jim Rome. It's Chris Finch. And I always bet on myself. I never chased money. I always chased opportunity. Figured money would come if you were good enough at what you did. Jim, if I knew what I was going to f*** you. Because that didn't sound contrived. Because that didn't sound scripted. I'd have already because that didn't sound manufactured. We're more than welcome to come along and see what we do. Hey, Robert, I'm really sorry that I can't join you backstage. But the Blue Jays do have a very important midseason doubleheader. I mean, Dave Steve has been dealing. What if Kelly Gruber gets a hold of one? Jeff Gordon? Hey, Jim, always a pleasure to talk to you. Get out there to the Coliseum. Come check us out, man. That's a pretty wild show out there. Seeing them bump and bang. So I uh, hope you get a chance to come out and check us out. No doubt. I'll go to the Coliseum and send the Jim Rome clone to Glendale. Steven Stamkos. I think Hockey's just one of those sports where, you know, loyalty is, is a big thing. You know, Tampa trusted me and taking me first overall. I've seen some of the dark days, and, and that's what kind of motivates you to see the glory days. Those glory hole days. Hello, hello, hello. Is there any butterscotch syrup out there? Can I get another serving? Is it, is it, is it not an all-you-can-eat pancake brekkie? Can I get a side of bacon? Packers wide receiver Romeo Dobbs joining us. Do you have any feel for what he's going to do? Any sense of what he might do? Uh, I have no idea, man. If he decides to come back, that's great. And even if he chooses not to, um, it's his life. I wouldn't be mad at either decision. Dickie, what's your beef? I got a beef, and it's probably not going to sit well with a lot of people, but go to hell. Rare state guy, your XR4TI idiot that you got going there. Can't answer the phone. And then, oh, radio button pushing guy, Alvin Delora. I got a beef about a beef about a beef. We got a guy calling in with the name Dickie. The car show in Newport Beach on Saturdays would make this look like a Chevy. How big of a would you have to be to say that to somebody? My balls and my nutsack were exploding. Crowning. I like that album. Like that. A remix. I never feel like an underdog. Slider. Look through that helmet, and those eyes are scared. Whoa! Original bug-eyed kook. A gadget player, whatever. Go G. Brother. Brother. Rake Jones. They're pigeons. They're not eagles anymore. That's how y'all getting down in Philly? Y'all still at the win? The calculus for the Lakers. At Chuck E. Cheese. What doesn't smack? Six beers in. I didn't say now. Later. Blue and a rumo. Hey, Taco Taco. Good night now! Cordell Volson is my guest. Cordell, it's great to have you back. How are you? 
I'm great. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. It's so good to have you on. Really appreciate you, especially right before the game. Hey, listen, I understand that you've got a lot of work ahead of you, but first, congrats on an outstanding rookie season. And even though you've got bigger goals in front of you, I want to ask, if I told you a year ago, as you were getting ready for the NFL draft, that in 52 weeks you would be the starting offensive lineman for a team that was going to play to advance to the Super Bowl, what would you have said? You know, I probably would have told you that you were crazy. Um, you know, it's been it's been a blessing to be here and be a part of such a great team and organization. And, uh, you know, to have an opportunity to to, uh, you know, play play for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, so really looking forward to this Sunday and, uh, you know, just to con- continue to put our best foot forward. Man, it's such an amazing opportunity. I get that. Let me ask you, I know you're looking ahead and not back, but there was so much made of the fact that the offensive line was so depleted going into last weekend's game against Buffalo, and then you guys were absolutely lights out. I mean, not just in protecting Joe Burrow, but in establishing the run as well. How were you able to have that kind of game, be that effective, down that many starters? And what was your mindset going into that game? Yeah, um, you know, everyone has put in the work all year and and um, you know, we were confident going in with the group of guys that we had and and uh, just came down to execution and the coaches did a great job of of putting us putting us into situations to be successful and uh, you know, we just we just went out and executed the game plan and, and uh played really fast and and uh, you know, trusted each other to to do what we were we were supposed to do. So you mentioned the coaches. Of the four remaining head coaches, Cordell, I would say the football public probably knows the least about Zach Taylor, even though you're all a game away from returning to the Super Bowl. What is Zach like, and what's been your biggest takeaway from your first season applying for him? Zach has been great. He's uh, he's really cool, calm, and collected. Um, you know, he's he's awesome to play for. Um, just just someone that uh, that you know you want to go to battle with. Um, you know, does a great job of putting us into great situations and uh, really fortunate to have him as my head coach. Cordell Volson is joining us once again. Listen, I'm running out of superlatives and ways to describe your QB1 Joe Burrow other than to say that this dude is just cool as bleep. I mean, in every sense of the word, how would you describe him yourself and how special he is as a QB1? Yeah, he is, you know, he's just an elite competitor, um, a great dude and and what's so special about him is that he's that he's just himself. You know, he doesn't he doesn't put on a show or anything. That's just truly how he is, and and just a great leader, and uh, you know, one of the best in the game. And uh, really fortunate to be able to protect for him um, every single Sunday. So you were not a part of that Bengals team that won the AFC title game last year at Arrowhead, but you were on the field last month for the win over the Chiefs in Week 13. So what stands out to you about that KC defense led by Chris Jones and his 15 and a half sacks? Yeah, they're they're really good. Um, you know, up front they're they're really good between uh, Frank Clark and Chris Jones, um, two really good players. Um, you know, they do a lot for their team, and uh, it's going to be a battle and it's going to be a challenge, but. Uh, you know, we're excited for it and we're ready for it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, what, what we were expecting, um, you know, leading up to this point is, is to, you know, our season come down to this game. You know, you look at it and as I mentioned, you're a rookie and you've got guys that are falling around, falling down all around you to injury. Normally the rookie is given a little more leeway and some time to kind of mature, develop and figure out how things are going. Did you feel like with the injuries that you had to step up even more quickly and are guys actually kind of leaning on you? You know, I think, I think that that might have, have some, some impact. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, falls back on your rules and your principles and your technique and, and, uh, you know, being out there all year and, and, uh, you know, kind of understanding how, how Ted Karras, our center, um, you know, goes through his progressions, goes, goes through his calls and, and to be able to relay those to the guy next to me. Um, you know, I think, think they have relied on me for that. And, um, you know, it's, it's just been great because guys have put in so much work every single week and, and to be on the same page to go and execute, it's, it's been a great, um, you know, last few weeks, just, just building as a person, as a player, um, you know, and just, just coming out as a leader a little bit as well. Cordell Volson joining us. I'm glad you mentioned Ted. I was going to ask you about him. 
It had to have been so cool, but what was it like for you and Ted to chop it up with the Cincinnati fans after the game last week when you returned? What was that scene like when you guys dropped off the game ball at the local tavern as part of that new tradition that Zach Taylor started? Yeah, it was it was really neat. Um, you know, it was really cool. Uh, we we went in there and the whole place was going crazy. Who day chance and and uh, it just shows the support the city of Cincinnati has for us. And uh, you know, we're really thankful and and that so for for the football team that we're um, you know so. So it was really cool and a really neat experience, that's for sure. Cordell, it seems to me when you look at your journey, it's absolutely amazing. You're from Balfour, North Dakota. You played your college ball, as I mentioned, at North Dakota State, which has been an FCS powerhouse for years. But when I talk about journey and story, that town that you grew up in, how big is it actually? Yeah, so you can see right behind me here, um, we have a uh, map of Balfour. That's where I originally am from, and then Fargo, and then Cincinnati. Um, if you can see those, I but can. yeah, Belfort, as you can see, there's not much to it. Uh, I think the last census, there was like 27 people, um, you know, so it's really, really small town. And, and, um, you know, that's really thankful to have come from, from an area like that, where, where, you know, you have a blue collar upbringing and, uh, you know, just, just a great community of support and, um, you know, just, just to be close with so many people. Rex in Albuquerque making a triumphant return to the jungle. Rex, it's been a minute, yo. What's going on? Hey, Jimmy. Hope you're doing well. You know, I just wanted to comment on the explosion in this guy's pants. You know, I was at the Golden Corral last night, and it didn't take me long, maybe 10 minutes, before I started crowning. Not 10 seconds later, I was in the gas station top, crowning out. Ah! No. You don't like that car. I don't like that car. Hey, Rex. It's not a very good car. Just like riding a bike. Good night now!